welcome to another episode of the University of Washington's Thrivecast, the podcast designed to help School of Medicine faculty thrive. I'm Trish Critic, and today we're joined by Dr. Rudy Rodriguez. Dr. Rodriguez is a professor in the Department of Medicine, Division of Nephrology, and he's the Director of Hospital and Specialty Medicine at VA Puget Sound Healthcare System and our Vice Chair in the Department of Medicine for the VA Puget Healthcare System as well. He is here today, though, to talk about something that a lot of folks who are professors and often folks who are associate professors get asked to do, and that is write a letter of evaluation and sometimes support around promotion requests for faculty, usually outside of our institution. So kind of a rite of passage as you get more senior, as you keep start getting more and more of these letters to evaluate people for promotion. So Rudy, I feel like this is one of those things that you start having to do without anyone ever telling you how to do it. So I thought it'd be great to have a conversation about that today. So thanks for joining to talk more about it. Yeah, my pleasure. So I'm confident that you have done many, many, many of these in the past. And so I think at least for me, the first thing that happened was I got an email that said, hey, would you be willing to be an external referee for X person at the University of Michigan or something like that? And I wasn't even really sure where to start. So my first question for you is like, well, what, what do you think about when you get these, these requests? First of all, in terms of saying yes or no, and then kind of how do you start to approach it? Yeah, they, they are um, you know different, I think, than when they come from within you know for a UW uh, say promotion because I think like when we are asked for UW um, you know faculty it's really like a peer reference so do you support the promotion you know you and you know you go through the paragraph of talking about degrees and honors and then you're, you describe your relationship and comment on achievements and then a kind of a summary so you're right these are very different because they they really want you to be objective and, a, you know, basically like an arm's length appraisal of the candidate and their contributions to whatever, teaching, research, clinical activity, and national standing, things like that. So, so they are very different. You know, I, I appreciate that distinction because I think what we get used to, to talking about is like letters of recommendation for medical students who are applying for residency or residents applying for fellowship. And we've done a podcast about that before. And I feel like lots of times what you're doing is championing those folks. And, and that's kind of true for the internal promotions as well. Um, but in this case, you're actually asking you to kind of be a peer and say, how do you see this person's career accomplishments and who they are in the field uh, at this point in time? So I'm going to ask a bunch of details about that. But my, my first question is, when you get those requests, do you usually say yes? <laughs> uh Yes, I usually say yes and then regret it because they're a fair amount of work. Um, but yes, I usually say yes. Uh, and I, the reason I say yes is that, um, you know, I think it's just kind of being part of the academic community. Um, it's kind of like for research folks and why they actually like go on study sections. You know, if you're getting money from the NIH, this is like what you do. And so I think it's part of being part of the academic community. It's also, you know, I think almost everyone, you know, you only get promoted a few times. So everyone remembers who wrote these letters or grateful to the people who wrote them. So it's good not to be remembered as the person who said no, you know. Um, <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Yeah, but I agree. that said, I would say no, like, you know, if it's like a basic scientist and it just wouldn't be appropriate for me to, you know, to provide that or if I can't really write a positive letter because I know the person and for whatever reason, I, you know, it can't really be um, 
I can't can be objective. If I can't make the deadline, or if I have too close of a relationship, maybe I probably, I may say no, just because that defeats the purpose of the of the letter. That's all great. I mean, I think that part about paying it forward—that's usually what I that I hear in my back voice in my head saying, "This is where I kind of pay it forward," and I'm generally say yes. And then I think the distinctions about when you might say no are really helpful, and those all make sense to me. I do think that if you really can't comment on the work they do or where they stand in the community of people in that specialty, it's hard to write that letter. And I think, as you said, if you can't get it done, don't say yes, because the worst thing is they're waiting for your letter and they can't move forward with the promotion package. But otherwise, yeah, I also try to carve out the time it takes to write these um, in the spirit of supporting the careers of other folks in the way that somebody did that for me. So you get this request comes in different kind of styles of things. You, you might get the CV, you might get supporting documents, you often get papers that come with it. Sometimes there's like a self-evaluation that's shared. It kind of depends on the institution. So where do you start when you are going to go ahead and write one of these letters? You know, one thing is I, I do stand back a little bit and, and ask why am I being asked, you know, because mm -hmm. um, there's usually a reason, right? So I may be someone with similar interests, you know, like having written similar papers, you know, have kind of similar publications, administrative roles. I get them also because um, uh, I'm on the VA field advisory board for nephrology. So I'm on this, I have this national role. So a lot of people look to me to say, oh yeah, the, you know, I can probably comment on their national prominence of this VA physician within the VA. Or I've gotten them because I'm also on the um, ABIM nephrology board. I've gotten them for people from that are, you know, know me from there. And then, you know, again, want me to comment. I, I figure they want me to comment on these kind of national roles that take. So I think about that, you know, I think about this, you know, are they part of a small community that, that uh, maybe I'm part of. So those are some of the things I think about. But then I'll also, it's you know, it's rare that I don't know at least the candidate. You know, it's mm -hmm. rare that it's just completely unknown. So I look at the CV. Those are the hard ones where all they provide is the CV. They're really helpful when they provide the um, a division head summary uh, letter or the candidate provides a summary to kind of yeah. really uh, kind of describe their achievements. I think otherwise it's very hard to, it takes a lot of work to go through someone's CV and try to figure things out. So I really appreciate when those are there, but otherwise it can be hard uh, to figure things out just from looking at the CV. I do spend, they usually will share the promotion criteria for the other institutions. So mm -hmm. I do spend time kind of reviewing that, comparing it to what UW is, so I can comment on it. Um, so I will even include parts of that in the letter that say, other yeah, promotion criteria is this, so I, you know, to, so I can really comment on on whether they're meeting their promotion criteria, and then really try to get the data points, and may even look up some PubMed, you know, some of their their papers. So a bunch of stuff there. So number one, I I really like that. I think about why they asked me, and and for me it's funny you say that because I get a lot of these, and I was a clinician educator professor early in the kind of world of people in our field becoming clinician educator professors. And I felt like everybody who was a clinician educator, <laughs> I was on their list of letter writers, but it was always about that being a clinician educator. So I, I, that really resonates with me. I think that part about looking at their promotion criteria is a really important thing. And I just want to really emphasize that, that it's totally different at different institutions. So it is really important to understand what does it take to be promoted at that institution for this person on their specific track or whatever. And I think often it's like, 
a little bit surprising that it's so different from what we have here at UW. And then I think the part where you start to kind of gather data is interesting. So I, maybe you could talk a little bit more about that. Like, what are the data that you think are important to include in the letter? So then, yeah, so I think the important thing to remember is that this isn't going to be a very long letter, right? So um, so what I try to do is find kind of the key elements of kind of their work. Um, mm -hmm. So from a, let's say it's a, you know, I'm a, uh, also a, a, uh, in that same track, clinician scholar track. So I, I'll try to figure out what they have done in that area, especially if it has an, they have a national prominence in that area. So I think that's where I, I try to kind of, that's why I said it's helpful when there's a division head letter uh, mm -hmm. or the candidate has a letter because they describe what they feel is most important, or they also will sometimes provide a paper that they're really proud of, or their mm -hmm. CV will asterisk their most important paper. So I try to do that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for example, I remember one person I, I uh, wrote one a letter for, and the only time I'd ever met him was we were on a, at a professional meeting and we were kind of, we were speaking and he was the speaker after me basically. So on a, you know, a session, so a common session. So I, you know, that's what I then expanded on for a paragraph on kind of the role and cool. the fact there was a national meeting and stuff that they've done with policy, for example. So that became a whole paragraph. And so that's what I try to do from that standpoint is try to write one or two paragraphs depending on the, what we, I think their most important work is. You know, teaching and is a little harder since we don't know, and it's usually not in the CV. So I'll comment a little bit about the amount of teaching they're doing, especially helpful when they have teaching mm -hmm. awards. And then you know, quickly, we'll comment also on what I know about their role in the VA or on professional societies, things like that. So that's usually what I try to include. I don't necessarily include things, you know, like I don't like the UW letters. They want us to like put in the education and degrees and I don't bother with that. And these letters are really try to comment and judge kind of comment on what their achievements are. I really appreciate that because I feel like we think we have to recapitulate some of the stuff that's in the CV. And I think liberating people that they don't have to re restate where they went to college and residency and medical school is helpful. So sorry, yeah. I interrupted you. No, no, no. That's uh, no. I th yeah, I think that uh, makes it a little bit more helpful and useful. Hopefully, the the these letters. And one one thing to comment on though is I think it's very important the language I think we use. So I think sometimes you know I think people are already professors probably know this already. But if you're the first time writing, I think sometimes you're trying to use kind of more vocabulary to describe people and start using good and solid and. So I think it's important to remember that uh, the, these are kind of code words and you know, no one ever writes a letter that says that someone's a terrible candidate, but someone may write a letter with a lot of code words, you know, like if people started saying I'm a solid clinician, I would kind of worry, right? Cause I think that, I think of that being not a, uh, you know, probably the lowest uh, adjective you can, you know, on what's acceptable. So it's okay to, if you think someone's fantastic to always say they're exceptional or excellent and not necessarily think because you want to mix up your words and adjectives that use solid, good, very good, those kind of things. So I think that's important because otherwise you may hurt someone just by, you know, using words that you probably shouldn't. Yeah. It's a little bit the hidden curriculum of uh, external referee letter that we're going to be superlative in our language in support of someone. If you think that they're doing a, a stellar job, use those words. It's important to do so. Um, because you're right. I think 
you can damn someone with faint praise if you don't right. don't attend to that. When you do these letters, do you usually specifically comment on the number of publications people have and the quality of publications? Is that a part of what you include in all the letters that you do? I, I do, but mostly kind of um, in the topic. So, you know, again, the, I will probably focus on the topic of their work and then we'll comment on the number of papers and whether they're, you know, they're first author and they were whether they're leading something in the in the topic so i will comment on that not necessarily looking at their whole cv and counting how many first but although that's probably helpful for, i think for some people i think at some point in the letter i almost always unless they ask not to will comment on whether the person would be promoted at UW. That that's uh, something uh, only one time did i see one letter request come through that said don't comment on that but the majority of the time they want to know that that's almost part of why they're asking you know how would this person do and as you know kind of our website has some good uh data points and things so i have included that saying you know this person has a similar you know similar to the mean on promotion at our institution those kind of things so i will compare and and say whether someone may or may not be kind of a good candidate at uw it's sometimes hard because they're, you know, even the tracks may not exist at other institutions, but I, I usually will comment unless they specifically ask not to comment on whether someone would be promoted. To I think that's a great thing to highlight. So I think if you get one of these requests, attending to what they're asking you to write, and I would agree the vast majority do ask if the person would be promoted at your institution. And if so, give them your opinion about that. And maybe with the caveats that there's differences in tracks and whatnot. And then they ask you to say whether or not you think they they cross the threshold for promotion at their institution. So do you usually just say, I think this person meets the criteria or they exceed the criteria? What's, what's the language you use when you talk about them being promoted at that institution? Yeah, I usually would just say that they, you know, if it's someone who meets ours, I would just say they, it's, it sounds like they meet their criteria. It's just very hard, you know, because we don't, in general, you're not that. I'm not that familiar with the. You know, even after reading kind of the criteria, it's it's obviously you don't know who's actually being promoted uh, there. So uh, I do comment, but you know, it's hard to be uh, definite. You know, so it's using a language that it seems like they meet the criteria at the institution. Okay. Anything else that you think is really important to include in the letter that beyond the kind of reflections on their you know area of expertise and scholarly work? And their accomplishments in that space, including publications and other spaces and like talks like you talked about, and then these comments about meeting promotional criteria. Is there anything else that you share on a regular basis? You know, I think what people have trouble with is this, you know, having a, a national reputation or they're kind of, how do you judge that? And I, mm -hmm. I do try to comment on that. And again, you know, that's why it's helpful to, to ask yourself, why are you being asked? Because it's usually going to be someone you don't know very well, but you probably have heard of them and it's good to comment on how you've heard of them and and to comment whether they do have a national reputation or not because that's always very important so it's good it's i think it's good to kind of look at that and to to be generous about their and also to, uh, to look at what they've accomplished and some of the things they've done uh, on a national basis you know 
Yeah, I think that that's a really important part because I think for most people, going to professor says you need to have a national or international reputation. And I liked your words. You said be generous in that. So if you know them in national societies or you've been at meetings or they've spoken, like I think you want to reflect on those things to say this person has been on a national stage or in a national organization, have a voice and things like that. I like that. I don't do that. Like think about it at the very beginning when I start, but I like that idea. And I think it's a great one that I might try the next time I, I write one of these letters. Have you ever wrote a letter that didn't support the promotion of somebody? No. I mean, luckily I've never been asked to write one, I guess, that uh, where I would have said no, where I, I, I would say I don't support it. Um, I probably would have said no to begin with, you know. I think that that's generally maybe the etiquette is that if you don't think you can write a strong letter, then maybe you decline writing the letter. I mean, yeah, I'm not no. saying you shouldn't be honest because I think people shouldn't be honest in their letters, but it is an interesting space. I also have never written such a letter. I might've noted that like they're up and coming in certain spaces, but I, I don't think I've ever said anything that would have said this person shouldn't be promoted. So it's an interesting thing. Um, and the culture around that is interesting to me as well. Yeah, if you think about it, I mean, if they're if the candidate has gone to uh, gotten to that stage where they're asking for these letters, everyone at the institution probably does support it, right? So I think they're getting pretty close. So I remember one recent letter where you know I was amazed at how much the person had done because they're like so clinically active and had very little time for for scholarship but they had a ton of scholarship you know so may not and it, and they didn't really have tracks so i i try to put that into context that you know even though they didn't have a clinician scholar track that this person obviously has done a tremendous amount despite not having any protect almost no protected time so i think that's something that you know especially here we can provide that insight because uh we've had a clinician scholar track now for so long. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I think that's a, a really um, nice part of it is like to acknowledge what they've accomplished with what bandwidth they may have or what you can appreciate that they have to do those accomplishments. All right. Yeah. Any last pearls for people as they start to try to do this uh, the first time? Anything else that you learned as you've done many of these over the years? Uh, it's. I think it's always good to not leave it to the last minute. You know, the... Uh, <laughs> I think that's like most things we tend to say, when's the deadline? And then, you know, as, as you're approaching the deadline, then you're kind of rushing it. So it's probably good to put a little draft together early on and then uh, just kind of keep revisiting it. So uh, it becomes a much more painful if you forget, uh, if you wait until the last minute. I, I would strongly reinforce that and say, <laughs> I often like have new insights into what I might add to the letter if I let it simmer for a little bit and come back to it. And if I don't give myself a little bit of time to let it simmer, it's hard to make that happen. So mm -hmm. I, I really appreciate that. And maybe I'll go back to this beginning part that you said, which is this is part of us being a part of a community and really supporting each other and someone has or will do this for you. So that's a it's a request to your time and energy for sure, but it's a nice way to to support your colleagues yes. as they kind of continue to advance on their career. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, I am confident that people who are listening have some new ideas about this. I, I honestly, I remember the first time I got asked, I walked down the hall to someone who was senior to me and said, what am I supposed to do with this? So I think there are lots of people who are like, I'm not really sure what to do. So I really appreciate you kind of making that less opaque our folks. And I know that people will learn a lot. The time has been valuable for me. Thank you so much. Thank you. And for all of you out there, 
If you want to listen to more episodes of Thrivecast, you can find them at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also find them on the UW School of Medicine faculty website at faculty.udubmedicine.org. Thanks for listening and have a great day.